Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Peter Finger, the producer of this show. In today's episode, I'll resume my conversation with Dr. Aaron Elmore in our conversation on frequently asked questions to starting therapy in honor of Mental Health Month. In our last episode, we discussed the different types of therapy access and which medium, either online or in person, would be a good fit. We talked about places to find a therapist, highlighted some details to help you finding the right therapist, and some red flags to look out for. We'll resume our conversation today by talking about the application process and the beginning steps to getting ready for your first session. So backing up a little bit, we've identified some details to really look for a therapist that you feel like are the right fit. Now I've sent in my application. What happens next? Because in my own experience, I'm in a vulnerable spot. I'm trying to actually get help, but actually help is not quite available. And I actually had to wait about a month before I found my current therapist. So how common is this? Unfortunately, it can be common. I think it's gotten a lot more common the last couple of years. With COVID, there was an increase in new people seeking therapy for obvious reasons, but also our current clients needed more support. So like clients I was seeing every couple of weeks would come in weekly, weekly clients would want to come in twice a week. So I think there is a backlog, unfortunately, of lack of availability. Right. I didn't really pay attention to it too much before that. So I'm not aware and on a larger scale, if maybe there always has been a bit of a backlog, but it can happen. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's only so many therapists to help so many people. And it's a very one-on-one type of field. Like we can't, you know, delegate out. (laughs) That would feel strange as a client. If you're like, okay, so-and-so is going to take over today and I'll see you next week. It doesn't work that way. So a lot of the time therapists just have to cap themselves at a certain point to avoid burnout and avoid those red flags we were just talking about. And so that can lead to a wait list. So it it is really unfortunate. I know that's one of the reasons the online therapy is taking off because like you mentioned in your experience, it's, it's a little bit more easily accessible. You can see more people if you have that coaching kind of model as a group. So just know there are resources and don't, I know, I know probably people are tired and you know, burnt out by the time they're reaching out for therapy, but don't give up because Even if you just call and get on that wait list, sometimes it it opens up sooner than you think. You could even get on a wait list for two or three people, and sometimes you'll get in sooner than you think. And if not, you can do the online support in the meantime. Right. So what I'm hearing is is that it is very typical to send out your application and there's just a waiting time. This is very typical within therapy. This is one of the things where I'm I'm encouraging, if you're interested in starting therapy, and you're looking for one-on-one service, it can take some time. So don't feel like you're going to get matched up with time. You can actually give yourself a, a moment of time to kind of prep your mindset for therapy. If you've got a checklist of things I need to, you know, get X off of my plate so I can make time for therapy, there is actually a waiting period for you to jump in. Now, if you're feeling like you need help immediately, you know, you've listed a couple of solutions we've talked about joining teletherapy, that can be very immediate. You know, even just getting psychoeducation yourself, we've got our available podcasts that are hosted by experts. We're talking with experts. These are people who can really tell you what 
therapy and the peak behind therapy really looks like. For our listeners who are looking for help immediately, are there any resources you might suggest while they're waiting for therapy? Yeah, actually, I had a thought a little bit ago that this is a good time to bring it in there. If you're someone who's in crisis and reaching out for a therapist, when you speak with them or send that email, tell them, say, I'm, I'm suicidal, or I don't think I can wait a week to meet with someone and they should address that. They should give you immediate resources. So that's one option is when you're reaching out to a therapist or an online program, be honest. I know it seems weird, but you know, be honest and say, I need help soon. And they should be able to intervene. Even if they can't see you, they can give you resources right away. But some general resources in that note would be, we have a crisis text line. I say we, meaning I'm speaking for the whole mental health field. I had nothing to do with this crisis text line, but you would text the word home, H-O-M-E to 741-741. If you prefer phone, I think they also have a phone number. You can Google it. And there's so many other hotlines based on topics like for parents, for bipolar, for suicide. For So I would go to this website called opencounseling.com slash hotline dash U-S as in the United States. And you can see there's probably like 30 on there and you can pick one based on what your concern is. But if it's not urgent, things you can do. I like that idea of prepping your mind and getting your heart ready to start therapy. I would look up books or podcasts that have to do with the topic that you're going to therapy for. And if you don't know and you just don't feel well, there's a book that came out recently called Own Your Past, Change Your Future by Dr. John Deloney. It's D-E-L-O-N-Y. And that's just kind of a general path to wellness. And it has a lot of really good information and nuggets in there to help you get started. And also as much as you can, I would work a little bit on the physical basics. Our mood and emotions are so tied to our physical body. So if you can get a jump start on trying to get maybe like 10 minutes of sunshine in the morning when you wake up or helping your sleep patterns or even just eating a little bit better, like things like that can help prep you as well. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing with that because I do think that those are really the stepping stones to what you actually might be doing in therapy. Mm -hmm. You can actually get a head start on some of those things where when you're working with your therapist and they're assessing some of these things, your, your lifestyle choices, those physical basics, those books that kind of help prep you for therapy, have those topics to talk about. You can start to get the language. Those are really great ways to start your therapy as you wait for therapy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So finally, we've got our appointment with our new therapist. What do you recommend to your clients to prepare them for their first meeting? Yeah, good question. I mean, I don't know that there's a set thing or a few things they need to do. So part of me wants to answer nothing. Like you did the hard part, just show up, you know? And if that's where they're at, that is enough. Honestly, that's enough. But if there's a client out there who's a little bit of more overachiever, they want to be prepared, they have the energy to do things. You could ask the therapist, Hey, what do I need to bring? Or is there anything I can do in advance? Cause again, everyone's style is a little bit different. And so I, I would ask the therapist that my perspective, when I worked with clients, I always tried to get the paperwork done in advance in that, you know, a few days or week or whatever that they were waiting to actually come in for the appointment or jump online for the appointment, because that way, you know, nerves are high and they just want to share their story. And we want to see if we connect with each other. So you could ask your therapist, Hey, can I sign the paperwork beforehand? And then of course, if you have any questions about it, 
Um, and in fact, please do read it <laughs> and make sure you understand what you're signing. That sometimes that's helpful and because then you can just jump straight in. Also, the, in the first meeting, the goal is always to learn a little bit about who the client is and their background and why they're coming in. And so the therapist is always going to ask some question related to that. Like what brought you in today or why now, or tell me a little bit about what's been going on. So just know they're going to ask that and you can start formulating your response. If they don't expect to know your whole life story in the first 40 minutes, it's impossible. So maybe, you know, because nerves are high, you can craft a little bit of the high points and even bring in a three by five card or write it on your phone or something if you want to. If you're physically going to meet your therapist, you could look ahead at the parking situation you know, look at the office situation. It can always be nerve wracking to go to a new place, especially for something so vulnerable. So you could plan that ahead if you need to. Right. Like the last thing you really want to be doing is being anxious because you're late for a meeting yeah, or you're upset because of the parking situation. That's not why you're here to see your therapist. You're here to talk about yourself in other ways. So I, I like those ideas. Some of the other things that I've identified is just having a copy of your insurance card or identification card that yeah. helps out with the paperwork. And I do like your encouragement of, hey, look, if we can get our paperwork done, that's more time to work on other things because the last thing you want to be doing is spending your time in that hour doing stuff that you could have been doing beforehand right which is which is that paperwork but you know again you said it you don't have to be prepared to come in just show up that's the most important thing that we do yeah and i'd also like to add i mean i don't know if this is a great place for it or not but I think sometimes people avoid therapy or get nervous about therapy because they have this impression they have to be a hundred percent honest right away or right. even at all. And I don't really expect that of my clients. I mean, we, we're layered human beings. I don't expect a hundred percent honesty, but what I would expect would be to be honest about the therapy process. So if I'm saying something that hurts your feelings, you got to tell me, or if something's not working, like you're not happy, you're not seeing results, you got to tell me, you know, and I usually ask for that kind of feedback to make it easier on the client to share. But I think, I think just for people to know, you know, most clients lie. <laughs> we all lie or hide things or don't reveal things till later. And that is okay. You don't have to mm -hmm. bear all to get started in therapy. Mm -hmm. And some of those feelings are going to be unconscious. Yeah. So I think that that's also very helpful as you go into therapy. And as you think about those first couple sessions, just have that in your back pocket. Like, Hey, there, is there anything where I'm feeling uncomfortable or, you know, I'm just not being truthful. And then I think you can kind of use that as a, as a bouncing point to figure out how comfortable am I with this therapist? Is this therapist a right fit? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we've done the prep for our first appointment and now we're actually in our first appointment. What does the first appointment actually look like? What can I really expect? Yeah. So Walk us through that. Good question. I mean, I'll just tell you what I usually do. Again, each therapist might be a little bit different. What I do, I actually did not learn in grad school. I learned it as a client. So I learned this process and model for the first session from one of my favorite therapists that was really impactful that I saw for a while. So if it's in person, I would show them around the office a little bit, show them where to find the bathroom, offer a drink or some water, and then do a little bit of small talk and settle into the office. If it's online, I would make sure they can hear me, you know, go over technical things, do a little bit of small talk just to like shake out the nerves. And then we would go over the paperwork. So hopefully, like I said, if it's assigned before 
I would go over the basic legal things they need to know, make sure they didn't have any questions. Ideally, if you're doing it in person, it shouldn't take more than like 10 minutes. I know that seems like a lot, but some people like it as an icebreaker. So you could do the paperwork in person as well. Definitely explain the limits to confidentiality. This should be happening every first session. This could be a red flag if your therapist does not explain this to you. So explaining what will be confidential, what will not be confidential, making sure the client has no questions about that. Um, especially if I'm working with kids or parents, that's kind of a gray area. So we spend some more time discussing examples for that. And then I explain, okay, you know, the purpose of why we're here today is basically to make sure that my training is a good fit for your needs. And secondly, that you feel comfortable with me and vice versa. Those are two goals. And it could take more than one session. So most of the time I get it done in one session, but you know, sometimes you can say, okay, this, this could take a couple of sessions. Like if someone has a complicated past, you could do intake part two next week. Mm -hmm. And then when that's done, whether it's one session or two sessions, I like to give a conceptualization is what we call it. It's just the way I see their presenting concern and how that relates to their past. And then I explain how I would propose to treat that. So I suggest treatment goals and a treatment plan, make sure that we agree on all of those things. And it's hard to give a time frame, but I try and give some kind of time frame for reevaluation to see if we're making progress. Mm -hmm. And then I always like to ask how they feel and give them an opportunity to say, Hey, I, you know, I'm comfortable returning or I don't think this is working. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes people take you up on that. I've had people say, you know, I'm actually interviewing two or three other therapists and I'll let you know. And sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. It's okay. I want them to find someone that's a good fit. And if they say, I know sometimes it takes courage. You don't have to say that. You could say everything's going fine and then never answer their calls again. You can, you can ghost your therapist, but if somebody says, Hey, you know, like, I don't agree with the approach you have or whatever. I want to find someone else. I do my best to help them find what they're looking for and give them some referral options, you know, nine times out of 10 or whatever they say, okay, I, I feel good. Let's keep going. And so then we keep going. Right. And, and I think one of the things you're highlighting is, is that a therapist can actually be a good source for a right fit, right? Yes. If we're getting through this and it's not feeling like the right direction, you could actually be the person to help them connect with the right therapist. So I do think that this is the right space for you to feel comfortable, to be honest. I think it's okay to be honest in this yes. situation. I know it can be very difficult and maybe there's other ways that you can communicate that either through an email or something like that. But I think the main thing is, is that finding the right fit and being honest with yourself. The other thing that I also like to add is in that first meeting, if you're doing any kind of teletherapy or online therapy, maybe get information about how to reach out to your client in the event of a cancellation or something like that. Just last week, I was about to go into my therapy and my internet and my block, the electricity went out. Oh, so no. having that information of just, hey, I need to get in contact with you. What's the best way for me to get in contact? That mm -hmm. that though having that information is going to be really important as things in life are going to happen. And the That's last thing point. you want to the last thing you want to do is just not show up and thinking that you're not doing it without, you know, any kind of communication. So I think that there's a level of respect there, but then, you know, just having that understanding that that is actually something that happens within teletherapy. So that again, a bit of information I'd encourage anybody going into, or as a therapist, make sure you share it because that could be the difference of seeing this client for that time or 
being able to cancel or reschedule and then feeling or even just hurt feelings that you have to then talk about later. No, I'm right. Exactly. Yeah. So actually that's a good point with my teletherapy clients. I I went a step beyond and asked for a contact person. (laughs) So let's say we're in the deep end of session and they're suicidal or not feeling well, or like, you know, and then we lose connection. I would, I would have permission signed for them of like, you know, a roommate or a parent or somebody that I could say, Hey, can you just make sure this person's okay? Because we weren't able to resolve our session before we ended. Not that I would share a ton of information, but that that's something that maybe you'd want to consider, especially if you're seeking therapy for more serious reasons is give them a contact person they can check up on you with. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Behavioral and mental health professionals provide critical support to our communities in a time when our communities need it more than ever. But they need support too, to continue their education, to connect with colleagues, and to advance their career. And so we've launched Triad, the hub for behavioral and mental health professionals. At Triad, you'll find education, community, and career resources for both current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals all curated specifically for you, and all for free. Visit us at hellotriad.com slash BHT to register for your free professional account. Again, that's hellotriad.com slash BHT. Come join the community today. Yeah, and again, like even just showing up and having that information and presenting it to your therapist, that that's just, again, another way for you to be prepared to start therapy. So yeah. kind of shifting gears a little bit, I started therapy. And one of the advantages I had by working on the show is, is that it really helped with my vocabulary and my psychoeducation. My question to you is how important is it for new patients to have psychoeducation before entry? Honestly, I would say not at all. That's not your job. That's a therapist's job. You can come in cold. It's actually one of my favorite parts of doing therapy is explaining these psychological concepts to someone in a way that makes sense. It's almost like teaching. I really enjoy that. Some therapists may or may not, but yeah, you do not have to be, we call it, um, therapized or (laughs) pre-therapized. You don't have to have that to get started. In fact, I think there's some benefits for people coming in cold because then the therapist can set the tone and can explain what to expect. And it's almost like a clean slate, which is really nice. And on the other hand, there's, you know, it it is nice to have some pre-therapization because then you can jump right in or compare notes from what you learned before. So it's all good. There's no bad way to come into therapy. Yeah, that, that's great. What are some easy ways that you might encourage your clients to learn more about therapy or psychoeducation? Yeah, I mean, if they're already in therapy or in a coaching program, I think asking questions is really encouraged. There are also so many different types of approaches. So I think sometimes part of psychoeducation is just maybe Googling or learning like, hey, what are all the different types of therapy? Because right. the, the goal is always the same, but there's so many different avenues to get there. So there's so much information out there and you don't have to do that to get started. But if you're interested, I mean, I would go to maybe APA.org, that's the American Psychological Association. They have so many resources on there and and that can be a jumping off point to learn more about therapy structure and what to expect. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and again, like I want to kind of talk to that other spectrum where you might be like over prepared. <laughs> True. That, that can be a problem. Well, not a yeah, problem, but and, it's a different angle. Yeah. Mm-hmm, right. And in, in my experience, when I first started therapy, I really had this expectation in my mind that I would really be able to explain these issues 
to my therapist and they'd really be able to get me and they would tell me how to fix it. Mm. Now, one of the things that I've, I've learned and I wish that I had known before starting therapy is, is that that's really not the goal of the therapist is to explain to you how, how to confront your problems. Like there is not one easy, here's a worksheet and this is going to help your anxiety. But I actually had in going through that, I had to set the mindset and learn that it's really a process of asking questions and doing reflection on my own yes. in order to, to, to go through the therapy process and really to kind of identify some things that I was not aware of and, and kind of doing the work to improve those motives in my life. So my question to you is, is, is in your experience, what preconceived ideas have your clients come to you with? And if you could kind of offer a different mindset for a client who's new to therapy, what would you like them to think about? Yeah. Well, first, I, thanks for sharing your thought process, because I think that's very common. It, it almost makes me think of like, if you were to go to a personal trainer and just expect that showing up would, you know, take off the weight, but really you have to like actually do some work to get in right. there and be consistent. And the trainer can't make you do it. So in the fields, we have this phrase of like, don't work harder than your client because we can't, like if I was your personal trainer and I was doing deadlifts for you, that wouldn't benefit you at all. And so we can't work more than you're willing to bring in or more than you're willing to work as the client. So it's really, I think one misconception is it's like an expert teaching or giving advice, like you mentioned to someone lower than them. And all, of course, there is an expert component to seeing a therapist, but really it's more of a team effort. Like we're in the trenches together, helping you achieve your goal. So it's not always a quick fix. The therapist does not always have the answers. Although sometimes we have ideas, but we don't, we're not the expert on your life. You are, you know, and I think sometimes people think they have a set amount of time that they want to change in or have the results in, which sometimes we can do that. That's fine. But sometimes I think I would just have people have a more malleable time frame because often what happens is people come in for anxiety or depression or something, but there's so much underlying that, that we don't know until we start digging. And then when we start digging, it's like, oh, wow, this is tied to X, Y, and Z let's work on that. And that may take extra months, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not, sometimes it is more of a quicker fix, but I think just holding that expectation loosely right. would be helpful. And also have permission. You have permission to tell your therapist, look, I'm getting too raw, too tired. I need to take a break from digging so deep. That's okay too. I've done that with clients where we back it up and get more surfacey and then go deeper again, or sometimes take a hiatus. So <laughs> if it's too much, you can be flexible with the time. But the only other thing I can think of is sometimes I think people are afraid that I'm going to judge them, right? Like I'm the expert and I'm going to be so like horrified at their life decisions I think parents especially are more raw and defensive when they bring their kids in, which is totally understandable. So just know your therapist. Again, if they're a good therapist, they are not judging you at all. In fact, most of us have our own therapists and most of us go home and make all the same mistakes that you're making. So I, it really is this teamwork approach where you're, mm -hmm. you're helping one, one person's helping the other get where they need to go. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that that is a, as a really good point about kind of having open expectations for therapy. You know, oftentimes on our show, we've talked about how people are going to kind of ebb and flow into therapy. 
This is not going to be something that you, you know, you're speaking with a therapist for the rest of your life. Although I'm sure it's very helpful and you could probably do it, but you actually have that option to kind of ebb into therapy and flow on your own and kind of come back into therapy. Like that is a totally fine, fine option. The, the real important thing is that you've identified something that's happening in your life and you're ready to get some help and there are people available to help. And there's many ways to, to kind of go about that because I found myself in my first period with a therapist that I was actually getting to a point where I was like, Hey, look, like I'm feeling pretty good. I think I can try and do some things for myself. And then I've kind of re-entered therapy as I'm like, Hey, look, like, you know, something in my life kind of changed and I'm ready to kind of reapproach therapy in a different way. Um, yeah. So again, that was where I started my journey of doing an online portal. And I thought that that was really helpful. And I've tried to go into uh one-on-one therapist and Again, like I do think that it can be a, a very beneficial process kind of going through these ebbs and flows because yeah. at a certain point, you you as a therapist want to get to a point where you're letting your clients go. They can't be sitting with you the entire time. They have to kind of graduate. So as, as you're kind of coming into therapy, understand that there is going to be a period where we would like to see you graduate and move on. Yes. Cause as we talked about earlier, there's usually a wait list of people who urgently need help. And the, right. like you said, the whole goal is to work ourselves out of the job that we're proud of that. We're like, Oh, my, my, my fledgling is leaving the nest. You know, they're doing well. It's a good thing. Yeah. We're not going to hold you hostage. If you feel like you can't commit to weekly or whatever, this is where the honesty and communicating about the process comes in for me is like, tell, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. Often I'll have clients go down to every other week when they're about ready to graduate, if they're a little nervous about it. So we can kind of titrate off. And yeah, I think it, I'd have to look at the stat. I want to say it's up to 75%, give or take of people do stop and then come back at a later season or years later. So it's very, very common to use it as a support when needed. I will say, don't just drop out of nowhere you know, don't just ghost your therapist. Please tell them what that you're thinking you're ready to end. Even though I know that can be awkward, our feelings will not be hurt. In fact, we'll be proud because that means we're doing a good job and it's better so that we can actually say goodbye and close things out well and prepare you for signs of when you would want to come back and talk about those things. Sometimes people feel awkward and they just sort of trail off. Understandable, but if, if you know, if you can go ahead and just tell them, Hey, I, I think I'm wanting to spend my time elsewhere. I feel pretty good. Can we talk about a plan? to graduate and that's okay. We did a great job of kind of naming some of those things that we're defining as the work, right? You're doing the work in order to kind of self-improve yourself. But I actually want to kind of name it even more. So when we talk about work or doing homework with a therapist, what does that actually look like? I'm talking about the commitment to your therapy outside of the therapist hour. What okay. does that look like? Yeah. So again, this could, could totally depend on your age, your reason for coming in. Hopefully the therapist would make this clear, but some, some ideas would be, you know, communicating about scheduling. So like outside the therapy hour, if something comes up, please let your therapist know or reschedule or whatever. For my style or many, many therapist style, the idea would be to be mindful throughout the week of what is relevant to your treatment goals. Or if anything pops up that you think, oh man, this would be really good to talk about and bring that into the next session and practicing coping skills that you've learned. So that could look so many different ways, but again, it's kind of this mindfulness of, okay, this is a goal that I'm working towards. It's kind of like the personal training idea. It's like, you can't just show up for your training session and not do some, you know, heavy lifting or running or things like that throughout the week. So it's maintaining what you're learning and practicing that in, in real time. I think that's mostly what I would think of. Do, can you think of anything else? 
Yeah. I mean, I think a couple other exercises that, that I've done is journaling, um, oh, yeah. given worksheets, that idea of being reflective. There are a lot of exercises that we can do of just recording our thoughts. Same way that you might record your body. If you are trying to track, you know, something for your doctor, you know, Hey, look, my heart rate was elevated between this hour to this hour. Same way you can do with your feelings. We've talked about kind of a feelings journal. I'm mm. feeling this right now, you know, just kind of putting it in my journal. I don't have to act on it. And I think that those are some, some exercises that I've done and it really connects your feelings and kind of names some of those things so that then you can be a little bit more reflective as you go back and work with your therapist. Yeah, that's great. And I think therapists should give you those kind of tips depending on right. what you're needing. Like mm -hmm. if someone was coming to me that was depressed, I'd be talking about like getting sunshine and exercise and scheduling things that are fun. And if someone's anxious, it's more like mindfulness and, you know, organizing and, and slowing down. And, you know, so it, it, a lot of it would be you know, person specific, but yes, those are great examples of you maybe making time, crafting time throughout your day to work on your mental health. That's the whole reason you're there. Right. Because again, we kind of have to think of this as like a holistic approach. These yes. are lifestyle changes that you're actually making in yourself. And some of those things actually assist you in meditation it assists you in eating better. It assists you in physical exercises. All those things are going to tie into your physical and mental health. When you think about your therapy, what does it look like? It looks like you're going to go and do, do your block hour with your therapist, but then there's going to be some other things around that. That's really going to improve your lifestyle as a whole. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So as we begin to wind down today, when you think of new clients coming into therapy for the first time, what do you look most forward to? And what are some of the hopes you have as they enter therapy for the first time? Can I mm. reflect on this? Yeah, good question. Um, I think I think about making a connection, you know, because again, my goal for that first session is to make sure we're both a good fit and comfortable with each other. So I'm really just interested in who is this person and, you know, how can I offer them support and what is their story? I, I really look forward to that interaction. And when they leave the first session, my goal is really just that they want to come back for a second. You know, I want them to feel seen, heard a little bit and leave feeling just a little bit more relief, if not a lot more relief and a little bit more hopeful that they're not alone in their struggle. That's really the goal. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. I think a lot of people are really looking for that connection. So it might be the first time that you're really reaching out to somebody about some of these and actually putting a dialogue to some of these things, which is why I think it's so important. And I would encourage people who are doing online therapy to actually try and reach out for the one-on-one -on -one therapist. The teletherapy session is going to be really important in establishing that connection because again, you kind of named it earlier in our conversation about how it can be sometimes distant. Yeah. And if you're stuck in a message situation where you're only exchanging essentially emails or messages on a board and in a group, it, it can be actually a little bit more distant to establishing that relationship than if you were to engage personally. And I think mm -hmm. that, that there's two sides, there's the inner work and the between work. And I think that having that one-on-one -on -one relationship, even if it's through teletherapy is the between work that can really assist you in your relationships outside of the therapy. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, this is my conceptualization, if you will, I'd say 99.9% .9 of our hurts and our wounds come from a relationship come from someone who betrayed us or hurt us or failed us. And so the, the healing is in the relationship. And 
yes, you can definitely start online or even actually, I should say, I don't want to <laughs> be a downer on online therapy because actually research has shown it's equally as effective for most, most concerns, just not all of them. But I guess I'm speaking to, there is something in the power of that 3d interaction, or even if it's online, but you, you push yourself towards the 3d online where you're being vulnerable, having an actual relationship with a human being. There's a lot more healing in that than just emails and texts. So when you're ready for it, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's well put when you're ready for it, it's there. You can approach it anonymously through an online platform, but I think really what we want to get is, is a little bit more footing in order to make that connection with your therapist and, and reach out. So again, in my journey, I started online and now I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a therapist. I think that that's a, a really great way to kind of introduce and begin your therapy process. I was going to say when I started, because I was already in the psychology world, I felt like I should just go for it and be in person, but I was sweaty. I was nervous. I went early because I didn't know where the parking lot was. And it was, you know, it, it took a, a minute to get comfortable, but it was definitely worth it. And I've also, I've also tried on therapists and decided, okay, this isn't a good fit and moved on to the next one. So there's no set path, but just, you know, work until you find someone that you like. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's great. So Aaron, as we wind down uh, and conclude the podcast today, I want to ask you if you'd like to share any resources with our listeners who might be thinking about starting therapy. Yeah, I think, I mean, the most immediate thing would be to play around with some apps. So there's a online resource called the best mental health apps for 2022. We can put that link in the show notes, verywellmind.com. And then there must be a way to navigate to that, that article, but the link is very lengthy. We'll put that link in our show notes and will be available on our webpage as well. Great. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you're looking for a therapist or therapist directories, we've mentioned some of these, but psychologytoday.com, goodtherapy.com. And if you're just, you know, wanting to learn more about the topic you're interested in working on or just mental health in general, therapy in general, Again, I would, I would just kind of Google podcasts or books on the topic you're interested in. There's so much stuff out there. A general one I mentioned earlier is Own Your Past, Change Your Future. It's a book by Dr. John Deloney. Easy read, but like jam-packed full of good information. Psychologytools.com has a self-help tab. So you can spend some time there looking at things that pique your interest. And then there, there's, of course, apa.org, which is a little bit more scientific and dry, but it's a very, very good solid resource for more scientific information or research articles or, you know, just help on certain topics. So, yeah, yeah those are great. Yeah. I really appreciate those resources and I think they'll be uh, really good resources for our listeners to follow up on. Well, Aaron, it's been great to have you with me and I so appreciate all that you're doing and helping those who are looking for help and therapy. So thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, today. my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining Air to Me today. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all our other episodes can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. So check out our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT and explore our archive of podcasts and resource materials. Thank you again for being with us on the show, and we look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. 
Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.